two meatballs when we talk about music we listen to. We both come from cultures that celebrate meatballs. Yeah, meatballs are great. So, um, what have you been listening to? I have another pick here uh, that is, um, I think I mentioned Clutch before. At least when we were hanging mm -hmm. out with uh, with Chris. Yeah. Yeah, Chris is a big fan of them. Yeah. Yep, uh, I am too. And uh, that band Barbus was uh, very much like based on a mutual love for them. But also on another project that is uh, not as commonly known, I will, I'm sure they're not. It's called The Company Band. And um, it's actually around the same time as my previous pick, uh, um, Devil's Blood. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the album with a long title, but that had, uh, you know, Christ or Cocaine on. This is uh, an EP from uh, 2008, so similar era, called Sign Here, Here, and Here. Uh, <laughs> oh, I like uh, that. Four songs. Like yeah, that. it's a nice title, right? Yeah. It kind of plays on the whole, I guess, corporate culture. And uh, actually, it's like corporate culture is big enough of a mythology to actually base uh, a band around at least for my taste. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's uh, Neil Fallon, singer from Clutch, with a different band. Okay. And uh, the cool thing is that they have a very dual guitar approach, which, of mm -hmm. course, Clutch uh, don't really have. So so you get a different type of uh, texture to it uh, mm -hmm. in, in many ways. I'll, I'll play a little bit over here. Uh, Company Man by the Company Band. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that attitude. tempo and quick in between the parts shitloads of cash <laughs> <laughs> that's a great line yeah, great lyrics <laughs> bit of that tambourine i like that yeah dumb riff i like that <laughs> but especially i like as you can hear how fast they go from part to part like it's a very effective arrangement I like a good post-chorus. This one has it. You got it. You get the gist of it, right? Yeah. It's a uh, big rockin'. Big rockin', yeah. uh, not super far from clutch. No, definitely not enough. A lot more action, especially in the arrangement. Like mm -hmm. how they almost eagerly switch to the next part all the time but it's seamless enough so it's a very entertaining yeah. little ep and uh, i just found it by random the other day uh, and remember i got it on cd back here uh, listened to it a lot back then mm -hmm. uh, probably because we did the barbus thing again so i yeah, kind of dug sense. it out and uh, i think it's uh, better it's than vibe. most most clutch actually it's better than most clutch mm -hmm. uh, they've done some new stuff too but uh, i represent the first ep today <laughs> sign here here and here I like that name. Do it for the money. Do it for the cash. Shit loads of cash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun gimmick, you know? Yeah. That's cool. I like uh, that. I like that vibe. I like the, I like the, uh, the lyrical slant of uh, Neil Fallon. I like that. 
Yeah, uh, he's like the guy that, again, is maybe a professor in, in English literature, I think it was. Mm-hmm. But it, he uses it to provide simple, comprehensible lyrics. You know, he's not doing the, like a lot of our, us Swedes actually, we do that in metal, like dictionary lyrics. Mm-hmm. Like uh, In Flames come out singing about like uh, electro hearts and uh, biotronic test words. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it goes a bit too far into just like, you're, you're just trying to find the hardest English words. Yeah. Like uh, maybe you should go back to shitloads of cash <laughs> or something, you know, that tells a story without being... You know, you know, it's less pretentious, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even though I like some pretension. Yeah. Shitloads of cash. I mean, that's that's shitloads of cash. That's right, right to the point. <laughs> yep. All the good songs on that Spellbinders, a really cool song. Fortunes and Mistress. Uh, uh, yeah, there's just four tracks on it too. So speaking of short and effective, oh, like big on impact, big on impact, um, right there. Not lingering too much. Uh, what's your next pick? Oh, my next pick is. Uh, Gonna be on your side of the pond, uh, lads from uh, Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, dismember. Um, um, really, it's tough to pinpoint one record because I think I have all of them, but like two. But I think the one I've been listening to the most as of late would be, for all intents and purposes, you could argue it was their last true dismember album, "The God That Never Was," that came out in two thousand five or two thousand six. Yes, I'm well aware they had one record after that, but Fred Espy didn't play drums on it, and hmm. I feel like that's a that's a big loss, especially for that band. But um, so you know he lives in the states now, right? Uh, yes, he Fred. lives in New York City, I believe. So yeah, I, apparently he's almost he's like over in New Jersey now, but just by the okay, yeah. I mean that's uh, basically uh, that's ba- they're right in, at, borderlands yeah, in between, basically you know, like yeah. the New York City side of New Jersey, yeah. That's yeah. That's basically. I've never been so. same same place essentially, but I mean, Fred Espy. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. The last, the actual last Dismember record is is awesome. It's a great record. It might actually be the best produced or best sounding uh, Dismember album too, because I believe it was recorded entirely on analog. Um, hmm. So it sounds name great. of the record again uh, uh, the last record is uh dis- is self-titled dismember dismember but the one i've oh, been but li- that's the one without fred yeah or, that's the the only one yeah, without fred yeah. the last one with fred was the god that never was and i think i liked that one because it was like they had fully like it starting from i don't know at some point in the dismember trajectory of discography they had just really they started going harder and harder on the maidenisms on every yeah. record and got no I, problem with that i fucking love that they do that great too they do, they do it do great it well. because they don't honestly they, they don't, have adopted it into their sound they don't sound like like when people it's not it's not like the duelists people you don't hear like that's the duelist or anything it's more like yeah i'll let you phrase it but uh, well, when, i guess what i'm trying to say is that much like james hetfield when he plays maiden style sounds james hetfield yeah like his harmonies on uh and Justice, or even on Red Lightning and Master, they don't sound like Maiden. Yeah, but he likes Iron Maiden. Yes. I like when you, I like when you can translate your um, your input like that. Well, the thing and, that, and make it your own. The thing that works for me with this member doing that is because, like, when you think of, well, maybe it's different from you for you because you live there. But like, when we think of Swedish bands playing Iron Maiden ish style. I guess 
Iron Maiden infused death metal will mm-hmm. say, our brains immediately go to stuff like Olden Flames and like yeah. that style, which is melodic death metal. But you would no one would call Dismember melodic death metal, even though they have songs in their death metal songs that are they have parts in their de- death metal songs that are melodic, but they are more yeah. so like actual Iron Maiden parts than anything in Flames ever did or anything like that. <laughs> That's why I am pressuring you to get these guys on Made in A to yeah. Z. Because yeah, I should. Maybe with you, actually. Would be fun. I mean, I, mean I, I wouldn't say no to that, of course. Yeah, but, be fun. But um, I think that... They love their Maiden, right? Especially they Fred. Fucking, and, uh, it seems like, uh, of course, uh, I, we had a... I guess I sent you into the this member binge. Yes. Binge member. Yes. Because binge they were on the big Swedish podcast here. And yes. They picked really cool songs. They picked like Voivod, uh, Alexander the Great by Iron Maiden. Yeah. Um, I don't know about everyone in the band, but Priest. I definitely know that that uh, David, the guitarist, and Fred, and like I think you said Maddie as well too. Those guys are... are yeah, Maddie picked uh, Alexander the Great. Yeah. Named his son Alexander. His son, yeah. Not after Alexander the Great, but, but after Alexander the Great by Iron Maiden. Yes. <laughs> So yes, if I I think that this member they're honestly of the original Stockholm brutal death metal scene. They're my favorite. Yes, I do. I I enjoy them more than I ever enjoyed Entombed. Entombed, I was very periodic mm-hmm. as far as my interest. I think that they're obviously pivotal and they're super important. And you could argue that without Entombed, none of the other bands maybe even happen. Mm-hmm. Or if they do happen, they don't. They don't. They sure as hell don't sound the way they do. You yeah. know. But like. This member kept my interest longer because they, you know, like like Entombed, because, I mean, everyone, everyone, it seemed like everyone in that scene did their Death and Roll album after Entombed tried Wolverine Blues, and this member was, you know, no, no exception. They had massive killing capacity. It's honestly, I think it is. It's it has, still has that death and roll vibe, but it is different. It sounds nothing like Wolverine Blues, and I think that's when did that come out? That came out, I think, the same year, ninety, uh, ninety four, ninety five, actually. Mm. Massive because it was capacity. the first one I heard. Yeah, it's got casket casket garden on it. And yeah, yeah, casket garden is a great track. Oh my god, it's super catchy and heavy. And yeah. it's tough as hell, you know. And um, 
So I think that after that, when they started going back into the death metal phase of, of more pure death metal t- type stuff, and they started really hammering in the maiden stuff, to me, like that is just, it sounds so fucking good. I guess they're back together and I'm so happy about that because I really think that they were a band who I think they were they hung around long enough but then they broke up right before bands that were had hung around long enough started becoming like started getting their due like Bolt Thrower they started getting their due again and then um, unfortunately the drummer Martin died so that kind of Ended that, but Bolt Thrower started becoming reappreciated, and all the bands that, that hung around, you know, started getting their their just their just due. And I'm I'm excited for them to come back and hopefully get that. And I would really like to, I, you know, bands to get back together. I don't often really want to hear new records, but this member is a band I would definitely like to hear a new record from because I really thought that when they were, at the time they stopped, I really thought they had just kind of started. Not maybe well, not maybe started, not but started. I, feel, I feel like they they had really. Not, I don't want, I don't even want to say they found it because to me they always had it. But as far as them being like the whole like crystallization of Autopsy and Iron Maiden, like to me mm. like that I was like, that like one. they kind of they found it and they they mastered it. And I was just really looking forward to the rest of the ride. So I'm hoping they can kind of just pick right up where they left off and just get to it again. Yeah, because they reunited right into the pandemic. Yeah, they. Yeah, that I mean, was the yeah, thing. That's that was yeah, their this luck. This just I guess. started yeah, right out luck, at their. Right. So it's like kind of got you know got stalled until yes. now, and that's probably why they were on that uh, big, probably Sweden's biggest music podcast. I think it is. Yeah, he does a lot of uh, mainstream pop and uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but he also he's actually a great music journalist. I quite look up to him because he's so good at getting involved in music that is not necessarily his music. That's cool. Like, uh, of course, you and me, we get involved in our music, mm-hmm. but uh, but he's good at like he he's got Nightwish in the studio. He's clearly not into Nightwish, right. but he's so good at like identifying the idea of the band, asking the right questions, and being like properly engaged. Just like that's how a music journalist should work, in my opinion. I think too many of them just have a line of questions, they boom, 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 mm-hmm. and I think the best interviewers they have they have their questions. But they're more just bullet points and not like dictating the flow of the conversation because I think the best interviewers, they listen to the answers that the interviewees give them and they formulate new questions based off of the answers and what they're saying. I think that's the best way to engage an interviewer like that. Yeah. You know? And a pinch of attitude. Yeah. As well. It's course. cool too. Like when, when he played Alexander the Great, he said, like, why is the those years in the title? That's weird. <laughs> and he said, like, because he, he, he was into Blade Runner when that album came out. So he right. said he was looking at it in the shop, but he didn't buy it because 
the years <laughs> in Alexander the Great title. Like he fa- felt that was so cheesy. I like that he brings that up when <laughs> someone named their son after the song. Yeah. Like, but they had good answer too. They told him like, yeah, well, it's time travel, I guess. It's a time <laughs> record, so it's time travel. that's great but yeah anyway that's how you do good music journalism i don't aspire music journalism however what we do i don't see as music journalism well and whether you see it or not it kind of is in a way well i i'm very fine with that you know (laughs) but i guess what i I see more like a panel discussion nerd circle like a book circle you know those guys that read books and then they meet up and they talk about the books more like that i think it can kind of be i think it can be both yeah for sure yeah. Someone told me the other day, uh, like, oh, you could be a good journalist if you cared about societal issues. <laughs> like, yeah, well, that's your problem there. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not into that I, shit. <laughs> I don't think that, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that at all. I think there's other things in this world besides societal issues to, to write about yeah. and talk about. Case in point, well, what we're like doing right big, now. Uh, the big business of yeah, journalism, of I guess, is to do of that. Course. Uh, of course. Let's not even get into that, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do you have another pick, too? Um, I think I only have one more like decided pick anyway. Uh, I wanted to say something about this member. Yeah. Oh yeah, can, yeah. Go, are yeah, you familiar yeah. with the Iron Crosses Grow that I record? Because that came out when I was just getting into the scene proper as, as a player and a sound guy. That was the first record that came out then. That was the first record I got from them. Oh, cool. Because I remember that quite fondly. Like it was good. But, uh, I wanted to add that too. Like I was always so into Entombed. So this member were. Yeah. Like they weren't entombed, right? Right. And Entombed went so far into that rock and roll thing that they went full on alternative with uh, Same Difference. Same Difference, yeah. Which is almost like an indie pop record. Right. But heavy. It's so off that it's a bit cool yeah. to me. Like no, I actually I agree. still like that Entombed record. Entombed was cool. Like they were like, they were They like, were much cooler. They were cool. Maybe too cool. Too cool for school. Yeah. <laughs> a bit, right? Because the lyrics are always like, went to this guy in charge, he said, I know where you go when you die. But, like, but, did, very... but to me, I think the stuff like that, and that's why, you know, that's why bands ultimately get ostracized from the scenes that kind of birth them is because, you know, you have this box that you kind of have to stay in. And once you dance out of that and, you know, Entombed created a, a a whole vibe when they got into Wolverine Blues, and mm. they stayed in that vibe for a really long time. You could argue, I think they kind of got out of it towards the end because then it seemed like they kind of went to tr- to being more of just like a, a death metal band. Like, what's that last record they did when Alex was still in the band? Um, Serpent Saints. Serpent Saints. I think that yeah, was with the, the Masters one. of Death, for example. Yeah, where they just name drop cool bands. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was like a proper tribute to death metal. Yes, and I think at that point they were kind of yeah, we're just going to be a death metal band again, which is cool. But I think that like they created a whole vibe that obviously, you know, a lot of bands over like you know you had your massive killing capacity from Dismember, you had your Soulless by Grave, you had your um, Risk by Megadeth. Well, yeah, <laughs> I was well, I was going to say <laughs> Swallow the Snake by Desultory. They kind of. They had the their first two records were were pretty brutal or heavy, and then their third one I think was in ninety five and ninety six called Swallow the Snake, and it was basically just like it was their it was their it was their time for death and roll, and so that's what they did. Smell the glove, yeah, right. <laughs> I, w- I would say on on uh, on Entombed as well. Oh, I'm losing my train of thought here, but uh, uh, yeah, oh yeah, I remember now. Yeah, about Wolverine Blues. 
that really did set like the template for the band what they would actually become yeah like they haven't really maybe not until serpent saints they haven't really left that sound right but also they had some like label problems and stuff so it took ages oh, yeah. before to ride shoot straight came out yeah. which was my entrance to the band that like, was nikki's last that record, record was right? so cool yeah, yeah. The last one for him yeah. and first for uh, jürgen sandstrom yeah uh, but i felt that one was so cool it's no longer my favorite but the uh, first time i heard it was like wow this is like this is how we do it cool well a lot of that i think was due to nicky right i mean he was the one who was the creative he force wrote he wrote a yeah. lot of the music so he was i mean obviously Most of it. he was you you can in a situation like that you can almost see what a person's next step is going to be to some degree mm-hmm. and because they push that as far as they can into what they're doing and then ultimately to to fully realize that they have to leave it because you could tell i mean like he wanted to rock and roll and yeah wow. can you imagine listen the helicopters are cool but i don't want i i would never want to have wanted entombed to sound fully like the helicopters no, you know no, no, you know <laughs> and i guess also like helicopters actually to me anyway got better when they went even further from entombed Because like the early helicopter stuff was like a lot of a lot of bands, a lot of metal dudes when they start to try and just rock and roll, they still they still kind of sound like metal dudes rocking. Like yeah. it's because uh, they, I got critique for that with with the band I just reunited when we started. Some some uh, there was a this woman that wrote for Slave State magazine, which was fairly big, and she was like, "Yeah, guys, you actually sound still like you're playing metal. You're just trying to play rock." <laughs> Well, everyone and, uh, sounds like they're, they they want to be in Motorhead, you know. Like that's everyone pulls yeah, the yeah. Motorhead vibe because that's I the easiest. Be it's, easy, <laughs> it's the easiest to grasp from a metal perspective because metal, Motorhead is so so close to that edge that they can mm. walk that fence or they can have that metal vibe, and so it's easier to come from a metal perspective and just think, oh, we'll just do stuff that was on like you know Overkill album or Ace of Spades, and then we'll be rocking and rolling. But really, I mean, mm-hmm. you're just kind of getting back to the roots of like rootsy metal, you know. So yeah, like, well, I guess we both did it in a way. Like you oh. went from Sepulphile to um, Fatal Curse. Yeah, yeah, basically. That's that kind of move. Yeah, I did that too. But I would say like I do way better now. When I did it first, I don't think I fully respected how hard it is to play plain old hard rock. Like I thought it would. This is easy. This is just the pentascale. You know that kind of stupid thinking. Like yeah, I have way better understanding now of how like. The actual challenges of, of not playing metal, I guess, you know, just more dynamics. Well, the funny thing about Fatal Curse is when they started, they were more of a, a rocking band. They were more of like a motorhead kind of rock band, but they they kind of they ran out of room with it really fast because they wanted to do more stuff. And then they were like, well, why don't we just be a an 80s metal band if we're gonna what's the point of just trying to be a rock band that does maybe some some 80s metal stuff when we just want to play 80s metal 
So it was like they I describe kind of... Fatal Curse as proper hard rock. Yeah, <laughs> that's you right. know maybe even hard rock, but definitely hard rock. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. It's leather and denim. Leather and denim. Yeah, uh, sneakers kind of stuff. You know, oh, maybe yeah. even boots. It's like uh, maybe not boots actually. It's, it's high tops. I wear I, 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 I wear high tops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I prefer wearing high tops over boots. Boots look cool though, but it's too it's too sweaty. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a cool band. Uh, like I have only one more pick, but I want to ask you about that because uh, I asked you when I played that riff. Uh, Can't stop the thunder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, uh, back when we did Celebutant, mm-hmm. uh, and apparently you didn't write for that. Uh, how much are you writing now for those guys? Like, is there released stuff that is like proper Greg tunes? Um, there's um. Well, I mean, we kind of got we we got pretty derailed by the whole uh, you know pandemic and all that stuff and. Well, you can fire up your well, computer and well, that's, write some riffs. Well, now that, now that I have some more capabilities and technology kind of well. sped itself up to accommodate the limitations of uh, interpersonal uh, interaction, you know, during the whole ordeal, it's been a little bit easier to kind of get some ideas down. And I'm actually going, I'm going to be out of town this weekend to go uh, meet up with those mm-hmm. guys and have a writing session. So, you know, obviously, oh, cool. I, you know, in, I, I am more than okay like when i was younger it was different like i would have really been like hell-bent on being like an alpha writer in the band and oh, i gotta write this and i gotta write this and honestly I, I i enjoy this band so much i'm more than happy just to be a uh, a contributing member i don't need to write all the songs and i've had this yeah. discussion before i'm i'm do i want to have do i want to contribute Oh, absolutely. Do I want it? Well, if you've got a great idea, obviously. Yeah, I mean, even could, if you didn't want to, you should. Yeah, I <laughs> like, love. I love. Right, I I, I want to have, you know, like I want to have some skin in the game, as they say. You know, like I want to. I want to contribute. I enjoy the band, and if, if I feel like I have something that could be cool for the band, then I absolutely want to give it to those guys. And you know, so I, you know, I have a few riffs. Uh, before everything kind of got derailed, I, I did. I did have a whole song. That we had demoed, you know, with them. Do you ever write for the other guys, like uh, vocal lines or drum drum stuff, or? Um, I mean, or you stick with the guitar riffs. I have ideas, but really, I- I'm I'm way into the the creativity of others in the room because I feel like if, if in a way, it's it's like um, what's the word? yeah, it's like playing tennis. Yeah, like responses, reactions. Right? Yeah, if, reactions, if, yeah, responses. I, like if, I, it's like playing tennis with a, a a wall made of a sponge on the other side of the net. Like it's not gonna it's not gonna bounce back to you, you know. And like I I really like I have ideas and I have suggestions because of course like you know when you write riffs you you probably hear a tempo in your head you probably hear a beat and so I you know, I relay that to the drummer, but in in no way shape or form. Am I gonna be like, dude? You have to play it like this. Now, yeah, I never said that, but I, I did plenty of like full arrangements. Oh no! I mean, I, if I if if I came with a song, I mean, usually the stuff I write is pretty. I don't know. I think that the the, the beats that I write or the the riffs that I write for these guys, I mean, to me, the the beats and the rhythms seem fairly obvious. So much so that I've you know, the time I did, you know, bring a song basically completely written, there really wasn't a whole lot of 
I don't even want to say guidance or, or suggestion on my end because it was just so obvious. It's like, well, what else could you play with these tiny riffs? Yeah, these, yeah I love that. These beats. Uh, that's what you want to present. Yeah, yeah like, I, think, I love presenting it. I love yeah. getting that presented when it's so clear. This is what it's about. Because you, know? you do have to show up with a semblance of an idea. Because if you just show up and you say, "Well, I got this stuff," and then and then if, if you if you fumble fuck around trying to put it together, then someone needs to steer the ship. Then you're just fucking you're, you're lost at sea. You know, you have to have an idea, you know? I left good with my friend seeing uh, when we went to see Dreamers Never Die, the Dio flick. When Tony Iommi is just like, he's not very articulate when he when he's speaking. It's like, <laughs> I showed him, you know, some of my stuff, <laughs> some of the riffs I got. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like right. very few people, I think, can do it the Tony way, like leading a band, one of the biggest bands, never writing anything but riffs. <laughs> it's just riffs. He's, it's yeah, when cool. you write riffs like but that, then again, you, know, you kind of don't have to say a lot. You know, they, they, they'll speak for themselves. And Vinny Atasi was fucking funny. It was like, uh, yeah, I came into the band. Yeah. Uh, Ronnie, I could get upstate New York. We get each other. Yeah. Geezer and Tone, I didn't yeah, quite is. understand. No, that. seriously. I mean, <laughs> I to me, I mean, I mean, you guys speak English more understandably so than, than some British people. And that's basically... They have the same. They invented the language that I speak. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know? Well, I've heard that the Swedish ac accident. I almost said the Swedish accident <laughs> of, in English. The Swedish accent. I've heard it's easy to understand. Oh my god! It, yeah, incredibly, incredibly. It, it's. I mean, you. It's almost to the point where it's. It's almost not discernible anymore. Like Tobias from Ghost, he doesn't have like. Tobias is really like good at that. Just yeah. Be from like. Uh. Illinois or something, <laughs> you know, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Super good at that, you know. Yeah, very good at that. Like in Swedish, he has an accent. That's a funny thing. He's like a small town accent in Swedish. We we do have uh, accents and certain dialects over here in America. That, well, yeah. of course, you have one. I, I hear one. Like I can tell that you're East Coast. <laughs> yeah, it's not LA. That's not no California. California. They kind of California talk is like when it sounds like questions, you know, it's like, like being a warlord. <laughs> You make a riff to play the same way that way. <laughs> That's California. But like, I know people that yeah. are from, you know, the downstate region of New York, you know, they talk like this, yeah. you know, yeah. and stuff like that. And and you get them out of that environment and they sound just like me, but then you put them back in that environment around like their family and their friends. And it's like, they never even left. You know, they become like totally different people. Right. They sound like right. a totally different person, you know? And then we have Bruce Dickinson doing a fake Cockney for like 10 years. Just oh, to right. fit in. That was weird. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. oh, right. oh. Right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we're not going to go into Bruce's uh, Bruce's uh, fake right. cockney right now. That's for a yes. mid-80s episode. In Which the future, I guess. should have dismembered yeah, on at some yeah. point. I think they're up to it. I guess I'm a little <laughs> bit shy to ask. But the thing is, so far, everyone I asked to be on either of my podcasts have said yes. It's a it's an easy format to understand. It's yep. You have, again... You had an episode with uh, Swano where you just talked about his relationship with Iron Maiden, which was which was not yeah. very much. <laughs> no, but enough, enough for two, for and, two and, and a half hours, hours apparently. Hours. But yeah. like that was the, probably the first time you heard any of that. Was podcasts. that was the first time? Yeah, because I someone was like, I don't know, I don't remember how I found it. But it was Dan Swano on Iron Maiden podcast. Maybe he, he shared. Oh, it. that's right. Yeah, yeah I think he shared. shared it. It. Yes, that's yeah. right. 
because I saw him mention somewhere in time in a magazine, and then I felt like, okay, shit, I, I know this guy a little bit. Maybe he's going to be on. That's going to be great promotion yeah. for us. And that's how I met you. So that's the beginning of a beautiful friendship right there. fucking lutely Transatlantic Awesome and, and yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've heard that episode ever since, but you can hear at the end of it, the dude is also really happy. He's like, oh, remembering those days and how happy yeah. I was. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, it was a really cool listen. So, and I think it would be even better if it involved people who actually really, really liked Iron Maiden, like the Dismember lads. You right, know? <laughs> right, yeah. Right, yeah. No, I'll, I'll ask them, I'll ask them. We have had, we had Peter from Inflames, we've had Dance Fauna, we've had uh, Blaze Bailey, and we had Christian from Sorcerer yeah. and Therion, among others. So it's yeah, you get credibility. Right? You, you know people, they know the same yeah. people. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay, I yeah. got my last pick. We mentioned Motred, um, so this one should go on. Actually, let's first just listen to this bit of uh, uh, Entombed at their most uh, alternative rock sounding because right. it's kind of fun. Addiction King. Listen to this. It's so far away from anything death metal. It's like al- alternative rock. Could be Foo Fighters. But then LG comes in, and weird enough, he just fits. He's a pretty fucking great singer, actually. He took a, a style that is very limited in scope and was able to broaden it enough to really work perfectly with whatever they were doing. Yeah. I mean, we all know him as a screamer, but like we addressed before, there's tons of pitch in this. There is. Not to mention, I mean, anyone, you know, any fucking normal, quote-unquote normal person that's, that thinks all this shit sounds the same, you know, anyone who knows the style knows that what he sounds like here sounds nothing like what he sounded like on Left Hand Path. You know, I That's mean, true. Two but totally go different to, styles. To Ride Shoot Straight, it's closer. It's closer, yeah. That's true. But yeah, they, this one was not popular when it came. I think it's like gained some traction afterwards like some of those weird albums do doesn't have like a shitty album cover where just like a dog on it or something it's just a dog oh it's yeah not a that, great cover. that album cover stinks <laughs> oh it fucking it that's it, just ugh, the not 90s very exciting some bands that just fucking put no money into their artwork it sucks absurdly 90s they're yeah. not using the logo it's just like yeah ugh. yeah just you know trying something different calling it same difference uh, half yeah. of it is really good but uh at least with to ride, shoot straight, and speak the truth, they look like a movie, you know, poster or something yeah. like that. At least that yeah. looked cool, you know. Inspired by horror movies. Yeah, they didn't need to uh, have the uh, the the original logo, but it looked cool. I mean, Nicky played the lead guitar as well on the first on the first record. record. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and drew I, the logo. Yeah, and I also I, I think it's funny. I I saw an interview I think with with Nicky where he said that <laughs> him and Fred Espy were jamming so much at that point because they were they've obviously been good friends for you know whatever 35 years or whatever that they're not even actually sure who wrote what on what dismember or in tomb records like he's like there's there's probably fred Espy riffs on 
in tune records that I just accidentally yeah. took, and he probably took some of my risks for in, uh, dismember records. <laughs> right. Yeah. That reminds me. I was going to say that on 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 the on the topic of writing. Like for me, it's, the dynamic have, has always changed when I write with other people. It's different for every project, and even if like a project sleeps for a while, it comes back alive. It's different. So I've had systems like I write a shit ton of stuff, but someone else decides what goes on the record. I like that because then I can just you know, shovel in riffs, and I don't, I don't have to care if it's good. <laughs> I can just right. <laughs> blast them out. And then we have one now with me and Peter where it's like full-on veto for both of us. That's kind of hard to do, but it, I think it gains quite good results. Mm-hmm. Like if something feels off to one or the other, it's off. Yeah. Or, or kind of the rush dynamic, you know. Yeah, they yeah, never yeah. ganged up two on one. They right. always had to be unanimous. There's yeah. many ways to skin a cat, as you yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> many ways to skin that cat. Yeah, more than one way to skin a cat, for sure, absolutely. Right. Final pick. I mentioned them just now. Uh, cryptos. Ah, yes, that's right. Don't know much about them, so actually I feel like... Uh, Where I are they must, from? I must Google them to answer, for example, that question. Because uh, they just kind of popped up uh, on my radar. Uh, Virginia, okay. Hmm. Oh, they're from America, okay. Yeah, well, that's a bit of a surprise. Yeah, usually, I mean, I've usually I've at least heard Oh, no, of- no, this was a sculpture <laughs> by American artist Jim Sanborn. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's from Virginia, okay. Crypto's band then. Okay. All right. Formed in late 98, essentially a classic heavy metal band. Okay, give me the country here. So they named up uh, Corner. You know those guys, Corner. Corner from Switzerland. That's a cool band, I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I don't have uh, all their records, but I'm familiar with the uh, the first first two or three, and they had some. Well, actually, well, they were made up of uh, they they were they were roadies for Celtic Frost, and that's how they formed the band. They were roadies for Celtic Frost, and those some of that early shit, man. That dude, um, good stuff. Tommy, I never remember how to pronounce his real name, but when he was in Coroner, when they first started, he, he was, his name was Tommy Barron. That dude mm. could fucking play the shit out of his guitar. He did some stuff um, riff-wise on those first few Corner records that was just not typical thrashing type stuff. I mean, it was like, you could say it was kind of cut from a stained cloth in a way because of how technical it was. gift of writing some absolutely sicko freak out riffs but he also had the gift of being able to keep it catchy mm. and concise too tom g warrior is the master of writing very ugly riffs oh yeah 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 he does he's i would say he's in a way the exact opposite of tommy baron in the fact that he's not 
capable of playing technical at all, but he is great at writing songs. Like Tom Warrior, I mean, you when he plays, you know it's him. Yeah. He he the the I've never heard I mean, obviously at this point, I mean, he has a style so identifiable that the bands exist solely just to to rip it off, you know? Yep. But like he the way he would combine notes and like kind of go in and out of like theory kind of like in and keys yeah, and it's just he would like, kind of like go kind with, of fuck her attitude i guess yeah you know, well like, he i know he, he doesn't give a he shit. was really big into punk rock he was real big into like stuff mm. like discharge you know when he was when he was younger and stuff along with stuff like venom which makes yeah. perfect sense you know but like you can hear it because like some of the intervals are like major thirds like yeah. you know you play the zero fret and then you play the fourth fret on the it doesn't that's a weird kind of move he he does things that are completely atypical and antithetical to really the way maybe 95% of metal guitarists play. And that's what makes him so unique because again, like it sounds like he's going in and out of modes that like don't make sense, but the way he does it, it does. Appropriation of the Wicked. Yeah. It's one of the most disgusting riffs ever written in the history of music. That's one of my favorites. That's so... My, the hairs on my arm are standing up right now. I just need to think about it. Morbid Tales, yeah. Because I even saw Mike, Mike fucking Tremonti. Mark Tremonti. Mark, you know, he loves Creed? that record, yes. He, he loves lo- that record. He's, to, yeah. be, to be fair, to, to his credit... He has, that's not him being a poser. I read an article of him in Rolling Stone probably like 20 years ago. He was talking about Love and Celtic Frost 20 years ago, too. He's a great player, too. Tom Warrior he was on the ground floor there was really no template or not much of a template for what he was doing except for stuff like venom and discharge which he was kind of an an, an amalgamation of both of those things which had never been done before so i mean he was he's a pioneer i mean he's i i think he's another guy who's very very serious about stuff so i feel like in a way he seems a bit bonkers to be honest yeah which is cool i feel like if i were i, I feel like we'd be diametrically opposed to like the way we would approach life like if we were ever in a band together he would probably not only just dislike me he'd probably loathe me because i smile too much or something i don't know maybe <laughs> but like, maybe too happy but i would be i'd be too happy being in a band with him he would right, probably get yeah. so sick of me being happy being in a band with tom warrior that he would just right. kick my ass out you know <laughs> you mentioned before like bands uh, basing their whole sound on on the celtic frost sound uh, and I was going to reply then, I'll do it now, that I would definitely join a band if they pitched to me like, we just want to copy Celtic Frost. I'd be in. First of all, I'd do it. I, I would love to play in a band where the riffs are easy and just fun because I guarantee, well, I know for a fact, Celtic Frost, I saw them live on their last tour that they did before they broke up the last time. And man, it was like, it was like getting run over by a car, a fucking big car. Like, like they were so heavy getting in a big car yes 
It was like right, yeah. getting run over by a big car. Oh, getting run over by yeah. one. Yeah, you froze yeah. quickly. So it was like, oh, okay. all I heard was, it was like getting in a big car. Oh, no, which also no, sounded pretty like, interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was like getting run over by a big car yeah. because their sound was so thick. And obviously they're not, you know, the faster a band can be, the more you can kind of maybe lose that power, especially live. But, you know, even their more up-tempo stuff was not crazy fast. And everything they played was fucking not only just big on impact massive on impact massive on impact. and and man it was just so heavy it was so crushing it's i would say it's the second it might be the second best gig i've ever seen in my entire life voivod last time was one of your best gigs right at least best guitars that was the that I was the best said. that might be the best live guitar tone i think I've i still have heard. the old voivod segment actually we could upload at some point you know oh, we, that'd we be talked cool. about them for like 20 minutes and yeah, still that'd be not cool. released yeah uh, yeah yeah. So last pick is is Kryptos. Uh, this is just something that I have to listen to before. It's still on Celtic Frost. This fucking intro. <laughs> it's so. Awesome. I love this. I it's love so this. So heavy. <laughs> yeah. It just sounds so crude. Like it's so crudely looped that it just sounds so awesome. It's just like these human voices. Uh, it's also yeah. called human. It's called it's human. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like the agony of, of mankind, and then they go ahead and uh, procreate wickedly. They were a decade ahead of every other heavy metal band. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, as much of a spearhead as uh, Merciful Fate, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Something I, w- like that, I would say know. maybe even more so because Merciful Fate maybe never. More. They never. They never really dipped out of the heavy metal realm. And Celtic Frost. I mean, they've they've done whatever they wanted. I mean, even they even did fucking glam rock. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I was really I was really disappointed when Celtic Frost broke up the last time because when was that? That was I think two thousand eight. Oh, okay, so I that was before there. I even, even yeah. listened to them. Yeah. And um and and the record that they, their comeback record Monotheist, it, I I've never heard a better comeback record in any music in my That's entire life. That's a great life. record, isn't it? It That's, is. That was my entry point to the band. There's so many. I mean, you want to talk about a, a, a triumph of just complete artistry. That record, cool is title it. as well, like worshiping one god, and yeah, we need to think like, okay, it's probably not talking about um, the father of Jesus, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, or if he is, that's cool too. Like, it's just like he can pretty much do whatever he wants. I in could, a way, I think it's, I think it's my favorite Celtic Frost record, hmm. and and you can't say that about a lot of comeback albums, especially bands that I mean, at that point they had been. They were already, I think, 16 years between records. I think they had already been broken up for almost 20 years when they came back. That's and, crazy, yeah. I mean, and then and then to to get to see it live, I mean, man, it was it was something. It was like the air was thick when I saw them. Like mm-hmm. it was like it's like breathing in bricks. You know, it was like it was just everything. It was just so heavy, man. And I was really, really looking forward to see where him and Martin Ain were gonna take it. You know, now that they had the power and they had the value and they had the ability to call their own shots. Yeah. And and then of course in classic Celtic Frost fashion, just shitty business and, and member problems just fucking kneecapped it and ruined it. And so I think when he got the trip account, I was kinda like just kinda bummed. I was like, Yeah, ah, this should be a new Celtic Frost record. It should be 
Tom and Martin doing another Celtic Frost record. So I think that was in my initial aversion to is like, you know, kind of like, you know what, that last Black Sabbath record, that only exists because Ronnie James Dio died. You know I have problems with the 13, right? I don't have any problems with The Devil You Know, though. No, I mean, I'm the same way. And honestly, I don't, I don't think everyone in Black Sabbath is crazy about 13 either. You know? mm, I don't. I think actually, venture guess no one is. To be honest, like uh, maybe Tony likes it a bit. I know Geezer is not happy. I know that Ozzy wasn't happy with that period whatsoever. Yeah. So, so it's um, like, to me, it's like that. And your favorite it, producer, Rick Rubin. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. Let's get started on that one. Okay, final pick. I'm glad yes. I checked where they're from, Cryptos, because they're actually from friggin' India, Bangalore. India. Yeah, Ooh. which is cool. I've been to Bangalore. I wonder I hadn't heard Yeah, I've been there. I've got pals there. Actually, India, I traveled quite a bit, but I hate the cities, except for Bangalore, which is like, it's a bit elevated. It's like okay. 1,200 meters up. Uh, it used to be an English military base. Okay. So it's, the air is more fresh. Everyone there speaks great English. Right. And, you know, they, they do the tech thing. Uh, it's still kind of dirt cheap, which is cool. You can get a meal for nothing. Yeah. Otherwise, in India, I, I would always go up mountains or... Um, into the jungle basically just avoiding the cities because they're horrible like uh, right i've it's heard hard to even explain how nasty an indian city can be like it's just i like, don't i don't like the yeah i mean i'm not a big fan of perpetuating the negatives of of life but i've basically heard the same thing from really anyone who's ever visited there that it's that that's yeah kind of, you'll hear it from my it indian friends as well right yeah you'll hear from them as well <laughs> but but yeah i did i did run into quite a few metal fans over there Fans of uh, Swedish bands, Meshuggah are huge over there. I think it's because Meshuggah do some of those rhythms too. You know, yeah. Oh yeah. Opeth yeah. as well. Um, there's uh, an Indian band I like a lot called Indian Ocean, which is kind of prog rock, uh, which I like a lot. No cryptos were an Indian band with yeah. a new wave of British heavy metal sound. So I'll play a bit of um, a tune from, uh, not from the latest, uh, that's what I sent you, but from um, this is a tune called Full Throttle from an album called Burn Up the Night, or maybe an EP, a short album, 40 minutes. That's a good length. That's cool. Uh, Full Throttle. Vocals maybe more towards me. Yeah, the vocals are kind of—they were kind of surprised when I heard that. I actually like this vocal style. Simple and effective, you know. Fight, fight. Rock a chow, rock a chow. 
Nana, Nana. It's almost like, uh, I think when I sent you the link for uh, Raging Steel, I said, this is good idiot metal. And <laughs> I'm not saying they are idiots. I just like a bit of idiot metal. Yeah. And that song, Raging Steel, is way more of the Motred beat. Yeah. very into dynamic music this is not very dynamic but it sounds right you know it's like well, kind of flat line it's not dynamic but it has a dynamic yeah and it, it works well within that you know yeah i don't know sure. i'm not super familiar with bands so with the, with this band so i guess uh, uh i'll ask you what you think being newly introduced to this i like it i mean it's this kind of music is sometimes like obviously you know what it's like sometimes you just want to put on something and then just not have to sift through any of it and just have it right be have have it be the proverbial fist into the jaw, you know. Yeah. And like like you said earlier, the like you hear a riff like that, and there's no confusion as far as what's about to hit, no come confusion. your way. You know what's you know what it is, and you just sit there, and it's it's like a warm blanket or an embrace from a long for long lost friend or family member is what it is you yeah know? it's just cozy yeah. you know i have my review now um three words all you need that's pretty <laughs> much it right I, I, i'm not saying all you need all the time if, but if someone were to say at the time what do you want to listen to like and just give me some like give me some knucklehead heavy metal you know yeah. i just want to i just want to throw a fist up or you know just Slam a couple beers and like, well, I have this band from India for you.
All you need. There you go. All you need. <laughs> yeah. So uh, th that's it for the meatballs. Uh, we never mentioned also the concept of uh, the meatballs is we do hard rock and and metal predominantly. Yeah. I told you like I might put in some of my uh, uh, trippy stuff from time to time. Honestly, I'm I'm pretty easy to move. <laughs> I'm pretty easy to move off my initial estimate estimation of what it should be. So I mean, you you can. I mean, what am I going to do? You're you're in Stockholm. What am I going? I can't stop you. <laughs> I can't stop. That's you. true. That's true. But I mean, you got to have a concept sometimes. I listened to uh, Rai from Sabbath Bloody Podcast show together with uh, Clay uh, from Skinner Reconsidered. It was all kind of like pop or mellow stuff. I actually mm -hmm. quite enjoyed listening to that um, while biking today or yesterday. Mm -hmm. But uh, personally, lately, it's been all hard rock and heavy metal. All you need. And punk. There you go. Misfits. We talked about it on the Oh, episode. yeah. Absolutely. Still, still going. It's good That's stuff. Awesome. It's good Dude, stuff. Dude, it's. it's the misfits are they're pop music yeah you know just it's big fuck, on impact fuck, it's big on impact and it's fucked up but it's pop music it's great <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's it a listener uh, we this was a bit of a warm-up or uh, getting back in in the share before doing that project and i guess we'll start in a position i don't think we've been in yet but i'm kind of confident that pretty much all our listeners are gonna dig this we're driving if you trust us, just get in and ride. Get in. I'm not getting run over by a big car. Just like getting in. Just get in. Tampa Bay uh, Lightning versus the Anaheim Ducks ah, of the so Mighty no Ducks. Longer fame. Mighty. No, 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 mighty. no, they're no longer mighty. Once, once Disney um, got out of uh, ownership of the team, they kind of had to rescind the uh, the Mighty because it's a trademark of Disney. Yeah. So. That was the first uh, merch concept for me. I told you, mm -hmm. like I had uh, three Mighty Ducks caps. I had a Mighty Ducks uh, jacket. 
Yeah. And uh, I was just totally into it. And then one day also, I like miraculously got NHL into my cable, which was not part of the. I think it was a promotion. Right. And then there was a Mighty Ducks game, and they did yeah. this exact same thing, exact same thing as early Maiden, like a Kabuki mask style mask with yep. a exactly. lead lights and smoke, mm -hmm. and uh, that was the coolest shit I've ever seen. I had ever seen. So I was disappointed with the movie being so like jolly and upbeat but i guess well, maybe i should rewatch it that, that's what you're going to get from disney all the time so yeah yeah <laughs> but if you think about it the original mighty ducks is fucking weird for a disney movie because the, the plot involves a crooked attorney who gets busted for a dwi and part of his community service is he gets sentenced to coach a shitty hockey team so just even the fact that it it, it involves like kind of a sketchy attorney who gets arrested for I mean, he's he's driving, he's drinking and driving in a in a Disney movie. <laughs> so I mean, it's hey, that's that's basically that's some high intensity stuff for Disney. 